Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melling. Our second guest this week is Mick Isofano of the Idaho Distance Project, who made a big splash this past weekend when he ran a four-minute personal best of 209.55 at the Marathon Project to become just the 21st American to break two hours and ten minutes in the marathon. We get into the fascinating details of Mick's huge race, as well as his incredible comeback story, where six months ago he was calling up his coach ready to retire, and considered the marathon project to be a last chance race. Don't be fooled by the five minutes of cocktail talk up top. We get right into the really deep stuff real quick, and the story Mick shares is honestly so inspirational, not just to me, but I hope to anyone who listens to this episode and has struggled with the challenges and setbacks that we all deal with in the sport of running. Not to worry, we also talk about beer miles, shoe controversies, and being an idiot in college with co-hosts Gabe Harm and Zach Bevan, who are mixed college teammates. I really think this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done to date, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Have a very happy holiday, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. Uh, I'm here this week with uh, our second Marathon Project alum guest, uh, Mick Isfano. How's it going, Mick? Pretty good. Still still pretty sore. <laughs> I believe it. I also really wish we're going to put some some content on the on the Instagram, but I really wish this was a video podcast so your guys' fur coats could could shine through. <laughs> Um, but yes, we have we have two uh, co-hosts this week, uh, University of Kentucky boys. Uh, we have uh, Gabe Harm and Zach Bevan returning to the podcast after being a guest in his own right um, to, to talk all things uh, Mick. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. Good. Yeah, I'm thriving. <laughs> Got a bourbon. Got yeah, I poured out special bourbon just for Mick. <laughs> gave me an excuse to celebrate i did look in the the last uh message in our group text was about weller so so mick that's the official that's your official choice for for bourbon i mean that's a great choice like especially uh i mean i remember listening to zach's podcast and the weller 12 that's i don't know if that's what you got but i'm sure it's probably the the what's what's more readily available the the reserve yeah, a special reserve for me. I'm not, I'm not that bougie. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by uh, Weller. <laughs> Use the discount code MIC20 for <laughs> try it. You never know. Maybe you'll get a discount. Uh, that was uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go completely out of order here. And, and one of the things I had wanted to ask you about was uh, your, your history as a bartender. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's still. Uh, still going too. Uh, no, funny thing is, is, uh, back in college, I actually was an event bartender. Um, so I was mainly doing weddings and things like that with my, uh, my roommate Lou, who was also on the university of Kentucky team. Um, he actually got into bartending school first and then kind of dragged me into it. And so, yeah, man, weddings, (laughs) there's definitely some crazy, crazy nights uh working weddings and stuff in lexington kentucky uh it was definitely a fun introduction to bartending um now i just beer tend i would say uh so this is a bar that um only serves beer which kind of makes it pretty easy to be honest it's a it's a pretty cool <laughs> job the uh the impetus isn't on you to be creative with uh with cocktails <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very. It's very hard to screw up a, a beer pour. A to, pour. <laughs> hey, people still manage to do it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like I still see it to this day too. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll kind of be snobby when I go to to bars and I see people just butcher beer pours. But I'm trying not to this, be that bad. So before we get into the race, is there is there a signature uh, Mick cocktail? Do you have a, a go-to either for drinking or for making other people? Ooh, yeah. So I guess it changes with the seasons for sure. Uh, I'm a big, big Negroni fan. Um, yeah, that's what I like to, to hear. Say, yeah. 
I would have to say my actual go-to though is a cocktail called the Americano, which is basically a Negroni just without the gin. It's way lighter and you can have a couple of them and still be pretty good. I believe, is it, does Ernest Hemingway drink Americanos? Is that who somebody, I think some famous author is like an Americano. Recent guy. James Bond actually drinks Americanos. Um, oh really? It, Daniel Craig, yeah, Daniel Craig, James Bond. He, I, which as the actor or as the character? Yeah. Oh, Dan, yeah. So it's... Daniel Craig, the actor, drinks Americanos. Oh, uh, oh no! In in the actual movie, yeah, I think he it's orders, a Casino Royale. I think it's Casino Royale. He orders Americano. He hmm. does. Yeah. I'm a big James Bond fan, so the fact that I've just been out James Bond, it's. <laughs> no, I'm actually very impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I will I'm say on the. Uh, I only think I've seen every. I'm well. No, I haven't even seen every James Bond movie, but like I think I've only ever seen the Daniel Craig ones once, and I vaguely uh, know that. I have a long overdue um, showrunners to record with Scott Bobble, uh, his podcast where you watch movies, and we're watching. Well, we watched already Casino Royale. I made Zach watch with me. Um, so we'll have to, I'll have to re, re, I don't remember it from the movie. I took notes and everything, but I'll have to go back and do some research. I know he's I a bourbon guy. Which one it is, but I, I know he has ordered an Americano in one of the movies for sure. Interesting. He's uh, in the books, in the Ian Fleming novels, he's a bourbon guy. And that was actually um, attributed with popularizing bourbon in the UK because like British people didn't really drink bourbon back in the day so yeah that i figured was, they'd drink scotch or something <laughs> yeah so you know he, he has good taste across the board um but you know now that we've gotten you know what a solid five minutes of cocktail content that's uh that's what people <laughs> really wanted to hear uh from your weekend um but yeah you you ran a race this weekend i heard i, I did it was, <laughs> it was it was quite the race 209.55 right <laughs> yeah that's uh that's what it was uh, it's, your your expression makes you feel like it. Uh, it maybe hasn't fully sunk in yet. <laughs> it, no, it, I, I yeah, I don't know when it will like officially sink in, but there, yeah, there's still quite a bit of disbelief in what happened. <laughs> how did it? How did it go out there? I mean, I, you you looked good, and and then you made a a, a pretty big move uh around what mile 18 but uh but when you were you were in the race how what was going through your head uh honestly i <laughs> i have to say everything just kept spiraling kind of out of control from what the so the original game plan was uh 211 30. um both uh, my coach and i were just like yeah 211 30 that's definitely in your wheelhouse um and then I kind of caught word of like some of the people who would be in that 211.30 group. And so like, I just sort of tagged along with them. And then 5k in, I realized that they were in the 209 group. And I was like, well, shit, I'm not gonna like, go back to the 211 group at this point. Like, I'm kind of just in this right now. So gonna kind of stick with it. And yeah, from like, <laughs> from coming through the half and then seeing my uh, half marathon PR. I was, I was just about to ask, I, yeah, oh, I yeah. meant to look it up and then I forgot that was a half PR for you. That was, that was in fact a half PR. And uh, at that point I was just like, don't check your watch again. Cause you're just going to keep scaring yourself. <laughs> so uh, yeah, at that point I was like fully committed and um yeah, once uh, Frank Lara dropped off the, the pacing duties, it was like, I kind of felt it, like a, like a slow in the pace. And at that point, I was just like, okay, either I'm going to blow up slowing down or I'm going to blow up and take the lead. And so I kind of just decided to take the lead at around like mile 21 and just went to the front and it was just like, oh, awesome, adrenaline surge. I don't feel any pain anymore. And then everything started rushing back and started feeling a lot of pain for the last, <laughs> the last four miles. But uh, I'm really glad I took the lead because I think that's definitely what uh, helped me go under uh, 210 for sure. 
Yeah. Do that, you, uh, go, do you think competing like at the front of a race helped with that? Like the perception of competing for the win? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, cause I had noticed that before um, I took the lead, I moved to like fourth place around mile 18 and I was like, oh, this feels way better to be up towards the front. Like, I don't know why there was just like this energy. And so when I started feeling, when I started hurting a lot again, I was just like, you know what? I think I need to go to the front <laughs> and just went to the front and kind of like started to, to string the pack and didn't realize how much I strung the pack out <laughs> until afterwards. No, you, you broke oh. that race open. That was <laughs> no one in my family was paying attention. I was the only one actually watching the broadcast there was baking going on and a giant crossword puzzle. And then I was like, mix in the lead. And everyone just stopped and like came and like looked at the, like watched. Um, so you gave us a whole bunch of excitement. Yeah. Checking my phone afterwards was very entertaining to get, all, all <laughs> to the, get a lot like, of Snapchats of uh... <laughs> guys. Oh look, there's Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it, you, was I, man, it was surreal, to be honest. Did you have a moment where you were like, "I'm gonna win this shit"? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, when I took the lead, I was like, "Hey, like, you just gotta go." Like, there was a part of me that was like, "You're gapping them right now. There, there's no way that like they're gonna catch up." There's also another side to me that was like, oh my God, they're going to freaking smoke you. But like at the same time, you just, I don't know. There was just like a part of me that just got to go send it. Like, no, I think in a lot of ways you made that race because I mean, you were the first definitive move and didn't seem like anyone really wanted to do it. So, yeah, I like, it was kind of like, I'm either going to pay the price or this is going to really pay out for me in the long run. So I think it was kind of a little bit of both. I mean, obviously like everyone wants, I, I go into all my races, like trying to think that I can win for sure. I mean, who doesn't, but yeah, it, it was kind of like a all or nothing kind of move for sure. So when you were in training, did you, what did you have, were you training at, sub 210 as goal marathon pace like what was the what was the not at all Gabe's even <laughs> laughing because he knows exactly what my training was like I might call this episode accidental 209 I, I, I don't be offended by it but oh, that's what I might no, 100%. <laughs> like even like it was funny like I was hanging out with my coach last night too and like even he was like dude you never ran sub five minute pace for any of your workouts. <laughs> like you weren't even close to sub five minute pace for like anything. And you just ran 26 miles under five minute pace. Like what was the, what was the cut down? He kept bringing up like uh, 15 miles at like five fifteen or something like that. And like, that was like one of the like, yeah so, efforts. so our biggest so the biggest workout on my build was uh what was it? i think five by four mile um to kind of like simulate the the laps and everything too for the, for the race <laughs> and it started out at like 515 pace and i'm maybe i think i got down to 505 average and then blew up actually in that workout and so, yeah, I think the last thing was like somewhere around 518 average. And he's just like, there's no way. Like, why well, is I thought, like, I remember looking at those splits and thinking that was like a phenomenal workout that, like, like you had some serious fitness there. And so then obviously, like, watching go through 10 miles at 450 was a shock. Yeah. Cause I also did that uh, trial or trial miles thing. Yeah. And my 10K, I'm pretty sure was slower for the trials miles than my any of my 10Ks really during that race. <laughs> so did you, are you guys, were you living in Idaho? Is there any altitude up there? Like what's the elevation? There, I mean, there is a little bit, um, nothing like Boulder or Flagstaff. It's I think 
3,000. 3,000 Just under 3,000 feet. Just under 3,000. Mm-hmm. So not really, but it, I think it does affect you a little bit. Like not to the point where 5,000 or 7,000 affects you, but like 3,000 definitely does, does a little bit of a damage to your recovery. Yeah. And I, oh God, I, I fucking hate this question. I'm so mad I'm about to ask it, but like <laughs> you ran in the, the Asics shoes, right? Uh, I, knew, I, I knew there was going to be a question. Yeah. About, like, well, Cause yeah, I know I'm just, I'm listening to this. I'm like, it's going to be the number one thing. Like people. It's been a hot topic. For yeah. sure. Uh, it's funny. Cause like after the race, I posted that one picture of the, the prototypes on my story. And then like the next day, I just remember seeing everywhere on my search feed just filled with my post and just being like, oh, the shoes that Mick Isofano wore for the marathon project and everything. And I mean, shoes are great. Like, I mean, I'm going to run in what ASIC sends me. So <laughs> did you, just, did you train in those at all, Mick? Or did those are a special pretty, delivery? They were definitely a special delivery. Okay. The race. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, learning curve and running in them at all, or uh, I think so. The first I had ever ran in them was the day before the race, and I did a couple strides in them. So, wow. <laughs> yep, yeah, but I feel I, like, I kind of, yeah, go. I, like, I kind of just like assumed they they feel they felt like the four percents. I've ran in the four percents before, I was like, oh, yeah, these feel so super similar to the four percents. I'm gonna be good to, to roll in these, no problem. So so I, as, as people will know, like I wrote an article for Sidious last week talking about the new prototype rule. I literally, I got full, you know, peek behind the mirror. Like I literally uh, got a Snapchat from Mick of his new shoes like that <laughs> night after I had posted it. And I was like, uh, you haven't been on Twitter today, have you? Because <laughs> <Yeah. like, laughs> please don't be mad at me. Because the thing is, is like, I was trying to make a point about world athletics and like the things that they do and the, the number, of course, like it's like the classic thing where it's like, you can't control once the words are out there, you can't control what people put on them. And like, so of course it turns into either like David hates Sarah Hall or like David hates <laughs> ASICs or like David hates carbon shoes, like none of which are true. And like, I mean, it's just like, everyone's running in carbon shoes. Like that's the, at the end of the day, it's like, you still, you know, got seventh in a field of a bunch of the top, you know, U.S. marathoners in the world and ran a really fucking fast time. And that's true regardless of the shoes on your feet, you know? And it's like, I don't know. It's so frustrating because it's like, I I get why people, I think there, there has to be a debate among like the science nerds and the rule nerds about it because like you do have to keep it fair for everybody. But it's also like, it's, once an accomplishment is out there, like you shouldn't hamstring that with, you know, bullshit about the shoes. It's like, you still ran the damn race, you know? Oh no, a hundred percent. Like, I mean, like it's, it comes down to like the argument of like, even like running a record at Boston. I'm just like Boston. Yeah. Boston's net downhill for sure. And sometimes you get a tailwind, but you still have to move your legs like that fast. <laughs> yeah. like, it's still freaking impressive. Like you can't discredit any of these runners really. I mean, there was a time when they were running in leather shoes, leather bound shoes. And probably when they went to all those like synthetic materials that like made the shoes so light. Yeah. They're probably like, Oh, those shoes are cheating a hundred percent. Like, yeah and it's i will say like i didn't mean i I don't even want to have this conversation like i we need to change the subject but like i just i knew like i'm trying to be your man here and be like i know people are gonna like that's gonna be a thing people say and like that's not all thing yeah i I do have to ask are you saying that mick is not a blue collar runner (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> that that even that like that's the whole i mean we can't get into that but it's like people, people got <laughs> mad about the use of the word blue collar which and i like hate that word too and it's like i don't know it's like people are like you know people are making it like oh it's like oh this is like a you know privileged thing where it's like blue collar runners actually have white collar jobs and like shit like that but 
And then people are like, oh, well, it's actually really hard to be a pro athlete. I'm like, I agree with all of this. I just have said it. No, 100%. I got Mac Fleet chirping in my fucking Twitter mentions. And I'm like, you know, you're right. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad I'm off Twitter. Like, man, ugh. I had someone at work today ask me if it, if that was my boyfriend who was the one being sassy on the internet this weekend. I was like, yeah, that was that was him. Yeah, <laughs> you don't even need to. You don't even need to ask. You was like, yep, yeah. yes, sass. This is ultimately my big thing, which is like my attention span is so much shorter than the internet's, where like people will like bring up something I said like. 48 hours ago and I'm like I've moved on from that in my head like I don't (laughs) I felt strongly about that on Tuesday like you know it's I'm in a whole other world right now (laughs) but yeah Yeah. we now that that beef has been uh you know aired um I do actually want to this isn't like a run your mouthy question but I do feel like because one of the things I did tweet that got like a lot of response was like I was saying when you did take the lead in that late in the race, you know, that I was like getting emotional thinking about like how much you've been through to, to come to this point. And like, people were sort of asking, you know, like what your story was. So I guess like, I don't want to tell the story. You tell the story. Like uh, this is your chance, you know, like, I, I guess maybe, you know, folks know that you were like, you're at the university of Kentucky, pretty successful runner there. Um, I guess walk us through sort of your your post collegiate running experience. Oh man, wow! Wait, where to begin with the the story though? That's like the craziest part. Um, How did your parents meet? Let's start there. Yeah. Oh, oh wow, we're going way back. <laughs> I was born a baby. <laughs> um, no, uh, so post collegiately, actually, I mean, it's like a story of how many different times Mick wanted to quit running um but yeah no so post-collegiately I actually thought my career ended pretty sourly uh at the University of Kentucky um just with a a very slow performance at regionals um 10k and just wanted to be done with the sport and then actually Zach told me that I should give a marathon a try and so he's largely to do with uh, why I'm still in the sport in general. Um, I just wanted a training partner in Lexington. Don't tell <laughs> Don't tell Nick. It was only <laughs> selfish reasons. True. Uh, yeah, he took me on a lot of trail runs that I was uh, pretty reluctant to wake up super early <laughs> to <laughs> to go all the way out to the gorge to do some trail runs. But um, yeah, it ended up working out pretty well for me and ran two eighteen, coaching myself um down in jacksonville um it was a decision to not walk at graduation and uh go down to jacksonville to do a marathon and uh eventually led to me moving out to boulder uh to train it out in boulder i was being coached by uh brad hudson um so great friends with all those guys that were on that team um and so four weeks out from <laughs> actually a big race with uh, Hudson, he decided to kind of trade the team for an individual runner. Um, this is more controversial than the shoes. I'm not going to make oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my whole story, my whole story there's, a, there's a lot of uh, controversy in my whole story, but um, I'll, I'll try and keep it as short and simple as possible. Read the Um, let's run thread. That's all people can do. (laughs) Right. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, no, so I ended up like kind of coaching myself those last, uh, cause I didn't get any training leading up to the marathon. So I kind of coached myself, uh, the last five weeks leading up to CIM had a pretty big race at CIM. Um, ended up running, um, two 13 46, I think somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, pretty, pretty big race there. And then kind of this limbo area where my team was breaking up. Um, the main guy uh, that I was training with, he said he ended up moving to Flagstaff, got a great deal to work with the uh, NAZ. Um, so I wasn't really looking to move to Flagstaff and I was just really looking for any kind of move for me and uh, Cameron Almer reached out to me 
about moving to Boise. Uh, actually, Gabe kind of helped with that negotiation. Is like, hey, you got it. There's a coach out here in Boise that uh, would love to coach you. So, it was do you get a commission out of that, Gabe? Do you get an agency? Right now, no. I do that to all all the all my running friends, though. I think I mean Zach's probably heard five or six times me ask him to move out to Boise. Several. And, oh, Gabe keeps sliding into my DMs like, "Hey, Boise is a great place. You should come yeah. out." <laughs> Well, Babe, this is the danger, right? Emma endless endless trails, Zach. They're endless working trails. it from both sides. Wow, don't tell me that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You should see some of the places it's... that we get to run. <laughs> We're coming to visit as soon as the pandemic's over. That's for sure. Definitely. Always welcome here in Boise. But, um, yeah, no. And it has definitely been a rough – It was. I can't lie. It's been a rough transition into – uh, the coaching with uh, Cameron, uh, we doesn't help that we were really just trying to send it like right away. We were shooting for that two ten marathon. Um, we kind of knew that's what it was going to take to make the Olympic team, and uh, got a got a stretch reaction for my Berlin build in two thousand eighteen, um, and then was like, okay, it's kind of like a blessing disguise. We can kind of pump the brakes refocus, get ready for the trials. And, um, during the, the rebuild for the, for the trials, I actually ended up having another stretch reaction before club cross, which, uh, was a bad experience on my, on my part. Um, told I had a stretch reaction kind of situation where we were like, Hey, it's up to you if you want to race and pressured myself into racing it anyways and then actually fractured um my fibula during the race um worth it for club cross no i'm just kidding <laughs> you did not seem happy at the start line nick I must oh, say. Yeah. it was yeah that race man Ugh, i should not have ran um uh, going looking back but you know you really can't you can't do that kind of thing you can't look back and be like i've wish I would have done this differently. A lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So that actually fractured my fibula, which was hard. I mean, like I tried cross training for a while. I kind of knew in the back of my head that I highly doubted that I was going to be able to come back from that. And eventually I just pulled from the trials and, um, I was good at first. And then I remember going to the trials and watching the race and it, it wrecked me. It, it really did. Um, the opportunity there would have been huge, I think, but, um, it kind of ate away at me at the summer and training was massively inconsistent. I like, there would be weeks where I would just not do my training. Cause it's just like, that was it. That was my opportunity. Like if I wanted to make it as a runner, it was going to be there at the trials. And then, eventually so really funny i actually called my coach to tell him that i was going to retire from running and just focus on bartending and just making money and focus on other things other than running and he was like i got a race for you and so it's like all right this is the last chance kind of kind of deal it's just like this is going to be the if I don't do well here, this is it. Like I'm going to go back to back to bartending and just trying to make the best of what I got going. And, um, it was rocky at first, definitely missed a couple blocks still. Like it was really, really, really hard to like get out the door, go running. Um, just days, days I would just spend in my bed. I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not really worth it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And then, once it like kept getting closer and closer, I was like, this race is going to happen. And I think it was like maybe 12 weeks out. And we actually got a whole set block of training for, for the race. I was like, all right, I'm going to make sure I don't miss a day. And training was scaled back massively from what I was used to. I think there was only one week where I broke a hundred miles. So not what I was used to for sure. I know like my coach always asked me like, 
do you feel ready for this race? And I was just like, I guess, like, I mean, I'm healthy. Like it's not the training that I'm used to. I mean, normally I would always hit oh, way over a hundred miles a week. So, but yeah, no, so we're just, uh, towed the line, went out and we're just like, this is, uh, what I'm going to do today. So pretty much committed to, to a full send on a 209. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it paid off. That's for sure. It, I mean, yeah, no, yeah. it's like, I mean, it's like, it's crazy to see it too. Like, I feel like a lot of runners, end up in this situation like seeing like Noda uh Noah Drotti's post about it like how anytime you see your career kind of at its end crazy how it all just gets pieced together last minute and you see yourself continuing on so definitely what happened for me too that weekend like not not to the extent of, of Noah's race I mean great, oh. great. there's so many phenomenal races and stories i'm sure you can pull from that race it's and nick you're uh, still a baby yeah <laughs> yeah no <for> <laughs> no like in terms of marathon you're a baby um and can we put put the you stressing me out every six months that you're about to quit running like phase behind us because you've been doing that to me, you've been uh, yeah, doing that to me for three now. years <laughs> I feel bad because you're always the, like one of the first people I've messaged. I'm just like, yeah, this is it. I'm quitting. I'm done with this shit. Like, <laughs> and it's just like, so, no, don't stop. I mean, the thing is, is like, I mean, it's like, yeah, you got that, that comeback kid energy, but it really is like, I, it's such a hack word, but like, it's inspirational to, you know, people. Cause that's the thing, you know, big or small, everyone has those setbacks where you're like, I'm never going to be, the runner that I once was or the runner that I thought I could be. And it, it does, it shows that you can, no matter what happens, that dream race is there. It's in you the whole time. And then you never know when it's going to happen. And it's, for better or worse, you're the poster boy for that now, my guy. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I love to hear that. Like, I mean, people say like this was like a 12 week build but i mean in the bigger picture this was this was a two-year build like i mean both those stress fractures have everything to do with how i did how i performed this past weekend like i learned a lot and so did my coach from those previous builds where they just didn't work so i mean failures and it's very, I mean, cliche, you hear it over and over, but like you learn so much from those. And while they were huge, like failures that really made me want to quit the sport, like, man, they meant everything. Yes. Or two days ago for the race, like towing that line, thinking about everything that I missed for the past two years definitely was on my mind during the race. So yeah, it's, it's inspiration. Like take those, take those hard, very, very hard periods of time and just use them like every opportunity, take it. I think you're yeah, also Zach. the poster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Zach's complaining mean. about his knee right now and everything. <laughs> now I have the perfect uh, weapon in my arsenal to be like, hey, came off a stupid 50 mile race. Hey, still fit by the way, wonderful. congratulations. Yeah, I know, I, I know nuts. I texted you, but dude, like yeah. that, 50 miler was thank you and 50 miles didn't ruin me running into someone around a blind corner did <laughs> <laughs> but that's i'm i'm on the mid so it's fine i mean um, I but think no that's I th a re yeah I, nick i think you're now the also the poster child for uh the 95 percent fit but 100 percent healthy um you know theory of training dude yeah. uh, it's crazy too oh, oh my god the number of people were telling me like half the battle of the Olympic trials is getting to the line healthy. And I did not think that that saying would apply to me. And it ended up very much applying to me. And yeah, it's, it's so true. Like half, I feel like just, especially the marathon people feel like they have to do something crazy special in their, in their build to like do something special. But I mean, really, you just got to stay healthy. Like it's, it's a battle of attrition and it's hundred percent true. Like you got to get to that line healthy. 
And that's what, that's what really matters most. And then getting the opportunity and just, just going with it. Like it's, it's going to hurt no matter what, like it's a marathon. Like if it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're going to hurt every moment of that race. Like I remember Gabe asked me, he's like, at what point did that race hurt? And I'm just like, Oh, mile eight. Like I was like, this, (laughs) this sucks. Like from mile eight on, it was a battle for sure. I remember talking to one of my friends, um, I think it was right after she ran like a big PR Berlin a couple of years ago. And I was just starting to train for halves. So like the longer events were, were much more new to me. And she said something along the lines of like, Oh yeah. Like I felt like really bad until like mile 13. And then I started feeling good. And like, that was a moment to me where I realized I was like, Oh, like the marathon isn't like like the 5k it's like the 5k it's like if you're feeling bad at the start like you're not gonna have a good race no matter what <laughs> like you know it's like the like these long races you can like you can feel bad and then feel great or feel bad and then still run fast like it's it's so much more there's so much more time for things to change over the course of the race you know <laughs> and yeah that's that's a whole another beast too of the marathon. Like talk about a race with so many variables, like not just your variables building up to the race, but during the race, like so much could go wrong. But yeah. Did you have to take a shit on the side of the road? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so blessed. I like, I hear all these stories, these like to me, what are like horror stories of like having to go to the bathroom during the middle of a race. And it's like funny because Anytime I start a build, I will have to like go to the bathroom in the middle of a run all the time. And then it's like, after like three weeks, my body just like adjusts and it's like, cool. You're running for like an hour or more. You won't have to go to the bathroom for an hour or more during this run. But man, like, oh yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, I'm sure there's probably, I have so many more marathons probably ahead of me. And I was gonna say, don't jinx yourself. But. Yeah. yeah, right. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx myself. But man, I really hope there's not a day where I have to go to the bathroom during a marathon. I fortunately, that's not been an issue for me. But I, as as anyone who's run with me knows, like I'm a serial peer. Like I'll pee twice in ten miles, <laughs> no problem. Like, and I thought about that where like when I was running training for CIM, I was like, I don't think I've ever in my life gone like two and a half hours without peeing (laughs) (laughs) hopefully i sweat enough during this race that it's uh you don't have to have a problem yeah Yeah. different problem than most i think your body just knows i don't know like speaking of uh stomachs of steel i hear that you're quite the accomplished beer miler i yeah i I guess i mean i i think i need another crack at my uh in my pr it's been a while since what's uh, your personal best so it would be i don't know i forget the year but my personal best is uh 607 that's pretty Uh, good oh yeah you want to you want to tell that story nick the yeah the i don't forget where it was in louisville um after graduation right or yeah, yeah, that was twenty seventeen. Yeah, I think it was a whole John's thing while I was uh, working at John's. Uh, we uh, went up. To may Louis. or may not have been an interview, a job interview. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> true. It was. Yeah, and my boss even did a beer mile then as well, which was. Great. Well, she wasn't your boss then, but she was so impressed by your performance that she offered you a job on the spot. That's, that's the hiring process of John. Honestly, that, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the best job interviews you could ask for. Like, what's your beer mile? Let's do a beer mile together. <laughs> like, man, that yeah, that was. And that um, was Melody cool. came across the line at like fifth, like you know, eight minutes later, and she was like, "Wow, Mick." That was impressive. Are you looking for work this summer <laughs> or anything? Because we got we're, we got some spots for you at the shop. <laughs> got to bring that guy. In. Uh, yeah, maybe he this needs to be the, the Idaho Distance Project uh, next major event. Because I feel like Emma could probably run a pretty fast beer mile too. 
Well, so she can't do gluten. So it yeah, was cider uh, mile or something. Yeah. 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 You get to drink those like heavy IPAs. You, yeah, free. can't do that. Yeah. Some gluten free though, for sure. Like get her, get her ciders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that, that'd be a great idea. White, white claw mile. I could, oh, I would love oh, to do a white claw yeah. mile. <laughs> but I mean, Hey, the key, like people will try and do cans. Like you got to do bottles. Like bottles are so much easier. Like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you get, that's that. what all the pros do, right? All the beer mile, the real league guys, they do bottles. I mean, yeah, it's science, right? We, like, well, we, I mean, we did try. We tried the uh, Corona Familiar with the long neck, and that was a disaster. That was, yeah, so that was an event we turns did. Turns out summer. that bottles are better, <laughs> but the length of the neck actually matters. It, uh, it gets a lot harder if you get a long neck. It was so ga- Gabe's hot take is that length does matter. Oh, yeah, that is it. That is the yeah, hot take, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah, the Corona beer mile was not a not a. There was a reason I didn't post many times from the the Corona beer mile. It was not <laughs> it was a rough. It going. wasn't a wasn't a mark to be proud of. <laughs> Don't recommend long necks for sure. Yeah, so so I guess while I have these Kentucky boys, one of the questions we asked on the show is uh, first impressions. Um, so to either of you, either or both of you remember your first impression of Mick when you first met him. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like our one. It was more like, uh, maybe like evening one of, so Mick lived across the hall from me in our freshman dorm, which is like this, like really shitty tower is a 22 story tower that looked like a prison. Uh, Zach knows. So, so a freshman dorm. Yeah, as a freshman it has dorm. since been torn down. And true, it's true. It's gone. In peace. Twenty twenty was the year. Twenty nineteen. I don't remember when they tore it down. But uh, yeah. So, uh, my roommate, great guy, super goofy. Got along with him really well. <laughs> he was. He was. We visited together, so I knew him, and I was trying to like kind of like feel out everyone else on the team and like see who was who. And I knew that there was like a. I think you were you were a four fifteen guy or four sixteen guy in the mile in the sixteen hundred four yeah four fifteen four fifteen you were four fifteen and then his roommate Lou was a was a four thirteen guy and so I I remember I was like okay like they're like pretty legit trying to figure out like who these Ohio guys are and uh, Lou I don't know what I, I think like he got more stuff later on but like there was nothing in his room he showed up with like a duffel bag and that was it. And then Nick was just playing League of Legends and talking about League of Legends for the first like three or four days we were here. So I was like, oh, like I was all intimidated by these by these like really fast guys. And one of them's like a, a five four guy that that uh, can't go on any runs with us more than five miles. And then and then the other one's playing League of Legends 20 hours a day. Very much a gamer for and, sure. Uh, and the only way we can bond is they just want to they just want to listen to Katy Perry roar every night before bed. So we did that. That was our true in the hallways. Very really inspirational. Cool. So that was <laughs> first impression of Mick. That's a good one. I love that. League of Legends, that's like very like uh like 2012 energy or whatever that was. Oh, 2014. Yeah. A lot of a lot of league, a lot of league going was, on. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. It wasn't my very first impression of Mick, but my freshman year Mick memory that just sticks with me more than any is just him unfortunately being part of what I called the sad freshman 1500 meter club (laughs) it was just a tragedy of a season it was like what four or five you all they were just all in the same freshman class like going to like really shitty B like B meets and like all convinced that they were milers and all trying to run fast 1500s and I don't know if any of them broke four the whole year it was just like I week think, after week of just was tragedy. Did you break forth? Flu was the first one. Okay. So. I don't think I did. I think the <laughs> closest, it was so bad. It was. And like, like the rest of us on the team were just like whispering in the corner, like those poor guys, like, oh my God. Just, <laughs> they think they're milers. <laughs> That's a great story. I mean, I almost got kicked off the team that year. <laughs> Imagine that. Like where I am What'd now. What'd you almost get kicked get- off for? Just being slow? <laughs> Slow. I wasn't great at school either. Like my first year, there was definitely a transition period. I mean, you know, like partying and just being a young delinquent. <laughs> like, oh my God. The freshman year, I definitely did not have my priorities straight. 
between racing, school, and college lifestyle. So, <laughs> yeah, I was well on the track there. Block for sure. <laughs> that uh, that's hey, and look at you now. That's uh, that's yeah, all right? you gotta look know. At me now. <laughs> this is what you can look up to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll learn our lessons the hard way. That's for sure. I, I, I feel like I always forget how dumb like eighteen-year-old boys are. Right? <laughs> like, like, how can we expect like high school seniors to make some of the decisions they have to make? Like, it's actually crazy. And then they're freshmen in college, and my goodness. The, you know, it's like, it always gets blurred. Like, I'm not going to name any names on the, while we're re- recording, but it's like so, some, some of the kind of the young stud runner types out on the scene right now. I'm like, these kids are such fucking idiots, you know? But then you remember, you're like, it's because they're like 19. They're just a normal 19 year old, you know? I mean, I mean oh this probably God, makes me yeah. sound a thousand years old, but you know. <laughs> the decisions I made that year were not great it's but. great when you like look back on your racing though and you're like the things that like stress me out about racing are like so insignificant now like you gain so much more con- like i don't know i remember like warming up for races and stuff and thinking like oh it's gonna be a terrible day i feel like those strides felt awful like <laughs> stuff that would like ever phase <laughs> me like later on in college like oh the five minute run i can't even like <laughs> yeah, right? oh my right oh my most anxiety inducing so event in my life Ugh. did you oh guys have God. to do like a like a pickup before your races is that what you're talking about workouts <laughs> like, workouts and races and people the... would try and drop each other on this five minute drill before workout it's like like can, it's basically a five minute fart like and like people would try to run a whole mile in it it was like i don't feel this good like Oh my god! It's the way to the way to lose all confidence before a race. Let's do a five-minute run. Get dropped by McKay Wilson. Oh god! <laughs> oh god. Yeah. We had to do that in high school because my coach is like an old-school Oregon guy. So like he basically was just like, "Oh, it was good enough for Bill Dallinger. Like it was good enough for these high schoolers." And like, yeah, I don't, I couldn't do that. I. I feel like nowadays I'm like my strides, like, you know, I can't even get juice out of those. It's like, I'm lucky if my legs are warmed up by the time the gun goes off or like a hundred meters in or something, let alone before the race. It's like the main, my, my main motivation to moving to ultras is to never do the five minute run ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, there's nothing you can do in five minutes that'll warm me up for an ultra. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't imagine. I'm just going to leave that Wait, one there. No, no, it was literally doing a two minute stride out, literally a 10 minute jog at like <laughs> almost 10 minute pace. So <laughs> did, uh, do you have any, uh, this is, this is something we ask sometimes. Do you have any pre-race superstitions? Is there like a uh, special socks or something that you wear? I mean, so if, I mean, I actually just listened to the, um, episode you do with marty so i kind of like it was yeah you were ready for the questions (laughs) oh oh yeah a little bit a little bit um and like largely i would say i'm on the same page as him like there's probably like nothing that's like oh my god if i didn't have this this race is gonna go bad which like thank god i don't have any of those superstitions because i think that only hinders you but I will say I did like for the race, I had socks like planned out. I was like, oh, I want to wear these like tiger socks from ASICs that would look sweet. But like, honestly, if I didn't have those socks, it wasn't going to be the end of the world for me. <laughs> but um, no, not really any, like, I mean, yeah, kind of same thing. Like I definitely find myself falling into this like same kind of like pattern for sure. But like, nothing that like if it gets altered before a race would be detrimental for sure do you have like uh like what do you eat the night before a race uh, a marathon i guess because that's like when it really matters even that's like something that changes like constantly what i can't even remember what i i think i had actually i think i had greek food the night before uh the marathon projects we were just like i mean everyone was ordering and it was actually kind of funny i actually got that meal for free uh because everyone was ordering uber eats i feel like at the hotel and somebody had actually picked up my order and when i went to go pick up mine they were like oh sorry we don't have anything under that 
and I was under that name and I was just like, okay. So they never dropped it off, got the refund from Uber Eats. And then I was like, there's no way somebody had to have picked it up. And so then I went back to the main desk like 10 minutes later and like, oh yeah, somebody brought your order back. Oh, nice. <laughs> got, got my meal for free. So it's like, oh, perfect. So you knew, you knew you had good juice going into the race. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <whatever>. right. <laughs> But yeah, no, there's no like set pre-meal, like eh, nothing like that. I mean, I would say maybe like closest to the race, like I'm pretty set on it. Like I have my bagel with peanut butter and coffee and like, that's it. But like, yeah, nothing too. I, I, I never put together until recently that this is like a weird, uh, this like makes me sound like an Italian stereotype. But for me, it's always chicken parm. Like that's just like always been my like pre- pre-race pre-big race like i don't really care for like <laughs> races that i don't care but like yeah chicken parm is always my my pre-race meal and yeah now that i like now that i realize that i'm like i sound like i'm on the jersey shore or something like that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no I, yeah, that, that's always what it was in college too everyone's just like all about the italian food right before the race and everything i can't i can't go to like olive garden now without Feeling like, like feeling the stress of a cross country <laughs> yeah. race the next. Day. I can't eat Olive Garden. I can't eat Subway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh Subway God. I will say, we went to the worst. I think this not to shit on your home state, but I think this was in Ohio. We went to the worst Subway in the world on the way to pre one year because we dro- we drove from fucking Ithaca, New York to uh, Terre Haute and. We stopped somewhere in like northeastern Ohio and like went uh, to this subway where it was just like, it was, it was just like not, it was like a highway side subway. It was not a good sign. And then we like got to Ohio State where we were staying the night before or the two nights before. And we were like doing our like shakeout run there. And like, you want to talk about bathroom breaks? It's like every single person on our team had to take a shit like in a five mile run and we're like okay this is not good <laughs> like oh, whatever boy. happened at that subway was bad news i was so. gonna say yeah ohio is one of those states where it's like if you're not in any of the main cities like if you're not in cincy if you're not in columbus or you're not in cleveland like it's just farmlands good, good <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the do you have anything to add to the ohio beef from a couple episodes ago you're trying to you know i guess now that you guys you have all the good milers now you also have the you know all the good marathoners as well right no i i <laughs> God, man i love ohio like my goodness like yeah i think even i saw uh sam frankel post on uh i think it was the Sidious thing um d2 represent from ohio and it's just like that that class of 2013 man is pretty crazy it's pretty crazy from ohio <laughs> ohio high school has been nuts are your are your parents still there oh yeah yeah no they actually they moved back to downtown cleveland which is always a blast to go back and visit i i, I still love it like i'm just like I'm glad I don't live there kind of thing, but I love going back to visit. Like it's a pretty awesome, awesome town to to go back and visit and hang out with friends and go downtown and, and stuff like that. Are you ever going to go back and take what is rightfully yours at uh, Akron? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I... What is rightfully his at Akron? Yeah, well, I was gonna say what? Yeah, what is rightfully mine? <laughs> oh, no, I feel like you were... no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean like winning a the half or the full. Oh yeah, no, I mean yeah. Talk about like early beginnings of my career. Yeah, like especially with... since the guy who won is now like shamed and disgraced. But we won't go there. True. True. I was uh, gonna ask: isn't isn't Cleveland home of the Flying Pig Marathon, or is that Cincinnati? That's Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati. <laughs> That's a, that's one of the better named marathons out there. If you're looking for some like home turf to defend. <laughs> yeah, no, never done the flying pig. No, I've done the Akron marathon a few times. Um, yeah, no, there's been a part of me of wanting to go back and like set course records there for sure. Um, it's eluded me the past couple of attempts. So 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it could be, it could eventually be in the plan for sure. Like I definitely hold, hold a lot of value to that race. I mean, that was the start of, that was the start of everything. Uh, that was the first race that kind of introduced me to the things outside of the track for sure. As, as you're wearing the Akron elite marathon too. Like I love it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Perfect. No, that's one of the best racing experiences <laughs> I've ever had. I've been back to be like sponsored twice. by ASICS too. So this is like the, the happiest. Marathon. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. You need to go back. Oh right? man. I will say this, this is this has been like one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done. I will say like <laughs> it got so real and now we're, we're and, and we got some good content content as well. But uh reminiscing now. Hour has flown by, but before we get to our final questions, the one thing I did want to ask because the first time I met Nick was in the context of him uh being a Tracksmith model. Um, so, you know, as a runner, you know, Instagram content is very important these days, you know, what are your, what are your modeling tips for the aspiring influencer? Oh gosh. Oh, modeling tips. That's, that's hard. <laughs> uh, it's, that's really hard for me, especially cause like, I, I would call myself, I, I would say I'm very camera shy, like, which is funny. Um, but honestly, I think the best advice is have somebody really good behind the camera. <laughs> like that's I, very good like, advice. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Like, I, like I'm going to blow her up for sure. But like Emily May, who does the, the, a lot of the photography for Tracksmith, like my goodness, like I love her to death. Like she made me feel so comfortable behind the camera and she does like, I think she does a great job with everyone too. Like not just me. Um, but when she started showing me pictures, I was just like, Oh my God, like that's me. Like, and then since then it's been like, uh, like a revelation to my own, like comfortableness with myself. Like it, I mean, oh, that's <laughs> nice. Let me tell You're you, saying like rebel, you feel yeah, really yeah. hot now because Emily May made you feel hot. Seriously, <laughs> no. I mean, it sounds weird, but yeah, like I got way more confident with myself after like seeing what em Emily did um, with the, a lot of the tracksmith photo shoots, and like my goodness, she's a blessing to to anyone who gets to be shot by her. Like it's an opportunity, like. So I guess yeah. the, the tip is make friends with good photographers. <laughs> Definitely. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I have as a Boston runner, I have vastly benefited from. I can tell you that. If somebody reaches out to you like, hey, I want to shoot some pictures of you, like just be like, yeah. Like, why not? It's a fun thing. Like it's yeah. just have fun with it. Like, my goodness. It'll change your life for sure. So if you're ever if bartending doesn't work out, you can just drop the OnlyFans. Yep. Ah. That's your second model career. Link in the bio. <laughs> Lowly fans. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but Mick, Emma has held on to the Tracksmith uh, magazine that you're on the cover of for like a year and a half now and wants you to sign it. So I know. Next time, oh, yeah. Now it's, now it's like a hot yeah, commodity, no, it's, you know? Yeah. She's, like, she's been like hoarding it for like 18 months. So <laughs> next time you're around, make sure you, oh, for you, sure. you get to that. Uh, once COVID's gone away, I'll be making plenty of visits, uh, plenty of fun places for sure. All right. Well, this is uh, this has been a delight. As I said, uh, we, we ask our guests the same three questions uh, at the end of every episode. Um, so to start us off, uh, your Instagram crush, now's the time, like if you're riding high off this like marathon, like shoot your shot, you know, like, I feel like if, if there is somebody, I always normally say like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a crush. It can be whatever you're into, but I say like, go for it. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I don't think, I, could, uh, I don't know if I could send it like that on that one. There's definitely, there's definitely an Instagram crushing going on for sure as a single single guy but I, I don't know if i could uh put them or uh myself out there for that one but definitely trends on instagram oh my god there's i where to begin i i spend so much time on instagram probably <laughs> probably a little too much uh I'm trying to think are you a tiktok guy that's been like my no covid addiction it's like so bad but it's so not, good. not really i i've not i've not hopped on thank goodness i'm kind of glad i haven't talked i i mean 
mad respect to the people who've made it on TikTok. Like, holy crap. Can't imagine getting paid millions to just make a 15 second video. <laughs> like that's nuts to me. I don't know. Probably just like, I love like fashion and like visually pleasing things on Instagram. So like GQ is probably my favorite follow for sure on Instagram, seeing all the, the like kind of like fashion icons and stuff like that. Like I love seeing outlandish things like that. Um, that's probably my go-to for uh, Instagram crushing right now. Do you have like a style icon, like somebody where you're like, oh, if I had unlimited money, I would, I would dress like them. Man, I, I don't know if there's like one set individual. Like I do love um, the, the Spider-Man. Um, oh, Tom Holland? Tom Holland. I love Tom Holland. I love his. Oh, I have, I have just a normal crush on him. He's a hot. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a good looking dude for sure. Him and I will say um, Harry Styles. God, oh, yeah. uh, he, he, I mean, man of the year from GQ, but like the tattoos and jackets and, oh yeah, the style from him is phenomenal. Love it. That's a good one. Those are, those are good answers. All right. So if somebody hands you the mic, it's your time to shine. What's your go-to karaoke song? I knew this one was coming. <laughs> I am probably the least fan of karaoke. Um, I learned to never answer this question because if you answer this question, they will make you do karaoke. Someone will make you sing it. <laughs> oh, they will make you sing it. Um, and so I will just go with what I answered back when I was uh, working at a boulder beer as a brewer and uh there was a christmas party and they were like any song and i was like love shack i don't know why but that just came to my mind and i had to sing it and it was awful <laughs> <laughs> there's some pretty high notes in that <laughs> no that's it's ambitious yeah, yeah i was not enthusiastic of it i do i will say this i love watching karaoke it's very fun to like go to like a karaoke bar and watch people do karaoke but I, I will say when somebody is really good at karaoke and I don't even mean like necessarily like a good singer, like that's part of it, but like, they're just, they just get, they're just get into it and they have, they know how to have fun with it without seeming self-conscious. Like that is a very entertaining performance to watch. Oh my like, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Like I, that was the thing. Like I remember going to a karaoke bar in boulder all the time and my god those nights were so great i i mean i would never participate but like man the energy of like when somebody just goes up and kills a performance is awesome we uh speaking of post-pandemic activities when uh, when we have our next tracksmith karaoke you gotta you gotta come to town and, and hit the mic i'll come i won't necessarily say i will participate here's what we'll do we'll have emily may shoot it and then you'll feel oh, confident God. and then you'll be confident in your singing. You have Love Shack. That'll be perfect. All right. And last but not least, death row meal. You're going to the chair. You can eat anything in the world. What are you having? Ooh, great question. All right. I have to, I have to do the Ohio people proud. I am going with, so there's a small uh, burger joint. Actually, one of my friends will hate me for this because his dad owns the other small bur burger joint. Um, I'm going with Swenson's Galley Boy um, Burger with uh, tater teasers. I'm pretty sure they're called, but it's just like potatoes, jalapenos, just like fried and cheese, and then a peanut butter chocolate shake from Swenson's. It's the it's the go-to for sure. Whenever I'm home, I have to get it. Have to. Love it. Sounds good. Oh man, that's making me hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. Here out on the East <laughs> yeah, there's Coast. like no veggies. It's just all burger, cheese. You don't and... need you don't need veggies in your last meal. Like mm. you, you're yeah, trying to waste that. time. I'm dying anyway, so <laughs> Go. I think it was the Sorry. Akron Marathon that we ran past. I think it was a Swinson's and we're handing out what I thought was water, but it was in fact tiny cups of milkshakes. Yeah. Oh my God. I was running with a guy who grabbed the cup and it was like, oh my God, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> no. It was like mile three. It was very early. It was like kind of tragic. Yeah. Was, dude, 
They did not give enough warning about that for sure. (laughs) I did the Richmond half a couple years ago and there was like an unofficial, like, I think it was just somebody's front yard. They had like a beer water table set up at like mile 10. And I was so, I was like having a really good race, but I was like so mad that like, I'm like, oh, the ball, I wish I was a hobby jocker, you know, I literally ran past them. I'm like, I'll be back. I'll be back. The number of times I've been in races where I'm just like, and if I wasn't taking this so seriously, I would love to be (laughs) right now in this race. Like one day, one day I'm going to like take a race seriously and grab a beer. Like (laughs) best of both worlds. When you go for your beer mile PR, you can do, you do the best of all. Right. You got to start training for that. You got to sure. do, do Roby now and you can drink a beer at the summit I don't know about that. before the last, uh, <laughs> last four miles downhill. A little Roby's an uphill it's half a, marathon. It's a half marathon Boise, road race. That I'm not wanting three, to 3,000 feet of gain in the first nine miles on the road. And they're always just trying to get people to quit at the summit. <laughs> Mr. Bevan, this sounds right up your alley. When are you doing it? Yeah. Dude, come do Roby. Dude, you should yeah, come dude, out and yeah, try and set seriously. the course record. When is it? Is it in like I don't think. far enough in the future that the pandemic could possibly be over? It's April. It's like always like around like April 15th to 18th, 20th, April 20th or whatever, like that area, end of April. So I might be a little too soon, but but 2022. That's good. Say, Roby, yeah. we're doing it. <laughs> ship, oh, some, yeah. ship some vaccines out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. That sounds like a plan. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This is so much fun. Uh, oh yeah, no, I, it's uh, it's it's been a blast. Huge fan of the show, so I'm glad to glad to uh, finally well, the, be part of it. The show's a huge fan of you, and uh, <laughs> now I I hope that after this episode, a, a lot more people will be fans of you too. So, thank you Love guys. You. Thanks, Gabe. Thanks, Zach, for for hanging in there. Uh, and until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Spiced eggnog. Spiced eggnog. Okay. That's yeah. fancy. What is, is it? Spice with rum? Yep. Courtesy of Gabe's uh, Kylo. My, dude, I was wondering <laughs> if you are going to use that. I guess about the only way we're going to end up drinking. It's not that bad. Uh, okay. Rum. It's not that bad. <laughs>